You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it is so important that the words that are spoken are acceptable in your sight. Because when they are acceptable in your sight, then what we hear is good, and our faith can grow. And then we can call with certainty upon you in whom we believe. Almighty and merciful God, please bless this time that we will spend together in your word, that it may accomplish your will and your purpose. It is in your precious name, Lord Jesus, that we ask for these things in this way. Amen. You have heard me say in the past, especially last Sunday, that there's a very wise saying One of them is used by Martin Luther. And Martin says that the promises of the Old Testament are published in the New. It simply means to say that we will see that the Father never disagrees with the Son. The Son never disagrees with the Father. And the Father and the Son never disagree with the Holy Spirit. So we are going to take a little journey this morning through all three pieces of scripture that we have heard read. Because in there we see the witness of God the Father from Genesis. We hear the witness and the response of Jesus the Son, our Savior in the Gospel, and we hear the continuity of the Holy Spirit in the Hebrew epistle. The focus of this morning is in scripture on relationships and how important they are to keep them in their proper perspective. So when we look at the Genesis text, we can see that it begins by saying, and God saw that Adam did not have a suitable helper. When I read this text and I look at this, because it goes to the next piece where God creates all of the creatures and brings them to Adam and they are named. That shows to me and to all of us that there is this incredible relationship between God the Father and the first man, Adam. That they were together in this relationship and God had so much to offer Adam that he brought the creatures and whatever Adam named The creatures, that's what they were called. It then goes on to tell us that after this event, 
God the Father caused Abraham to fall into a deep sleep. And he put, took a rib from Adam and formed woman. And brought woman to Adam and he consequently gave the name woman. God said for this reason... A man shall leave his mother and father and become united with his wife, and they shall be one flesh. God at this point sets the standard by which every relationship should be built upon. That closeness, that intimacy, that trust, and that sharing of all of those responsibilities. When we fast forward to the time of Jesus, I find it peculiar, do you not, that the questions that the Pharisee asks Jesus is, is it lawful for us to divorce? They're asking Jesus a question about relationship. And Jesus goes on and reminds them, what did Moses write about this? It's very clear in this biblical narrative that the writing of divorcement that is being spoken of was not part of the Ten Commandments because Jesus says, Moses wrote you this law. Moses didn't write the law in disobedience to God, but it was not part of the Ten Commandments. And therefore, Jesus goes on to say and clarifies that part of the situation. Though even Moses gives you this writing certificate of divorce, you are still held accountable to the standard of the sixth commandment. Now, there is an unusual undertow that could be associated with this that I believe that is why the Pharisees asked this question at this time. And it seems to be the unusual question. You see, Jesus is now returned to Judea. And in Judea, there happened to be a ruler. His name was Herod Antipas. And his wife was Herodias. And the Pharisees could have used this as a corruption piece. To try to get Jesus to answer a question that would cause him to be in conflict with the ruler. This is the same ruler that put John the Baptist to death. Because he had told Herod that his marriage to his brother's wife was unlawful. Jesus ends up answering the question exactly the same way as John the Baptist did. So we can see that the relationship, that the ruling body of the people of God were participating in was not in that relationship position according to the standard of God. And Jesus answers the question in such a way that they were probably hoping that they would get Herod on their side and the result for Jesus would have been the same for John the Baptist. But we know that the relationship peace 
is what Jesus is focused on because of how it changes so rapidly to the little children. And we see that his disciples are rebuking the little children. And Jesus becomes indignant because the relationship that God wants for all of his people, no one is left out or exempt from the invitation to be with Christ. But you see, this old idea of separation still exists with the Jewish people. And they, at that point in time, thought that the children had no part. And they were to be pushed aside. But Jesus quickly tells them, if you're going to be in a relationship with Almighty God, that relationship should be childlike. I can remember in this very sanctuary, I was at the altar, I was looking out, there was a young family here that just came. And I was marveling at the fact that the daughter was holding on to her dad's leg. And when I looked at her, I startled her. And as soon as she saw me looking at her, I seen her hand unwrap from her dad's leg and find his hand for that security. And this is what Jesus is teaching us as people of God. We need to accept and be a part of our relationship with God in that childlike trust. She displayed in abundant words with one motion how much she felt protected by her dad. And this is what we are being called to be about in our relationship with our Father. So now, how does the Holy Spirit communicate these ideals to us in the Hebrew text? If you read the first chapter of Hebrews, it specifically is stated in there that at this time, God has spoken to us by a son. And when this Hebrews 2 text for this morning begins, it tells us that we should be paying really close attention to this so that we don't drift away. Because isn't that what Jesus was talking about to the Pharisees? That they had drifted away from the standards of God. They had begun to write their own rules. They had begun to edit Holy Scripture to make it fit their narrative. So Jesus and the Holy Spirit now are telling us that there is a danger for us to drift away from a relationship with God. The Holy Spirit is giving us the testimony that if the salvation that was put forth in the law was given by angels, and it, when violated against, and we did things that were disobedient to God, were carried out to a justice, getting to what we deserve, how much more this the salvation that is brought to us by Jesus Christ. It was Jesus who announced this salvation that we are being called 
to be a part of in that relationship with him. And it gives us the validity of that because it was confirmed by those who heard the message, the apostles. It gives us the confirmation that Jesus' announcement of the salvation is being verified. And not only is it verified by those who had heard the message, it tells us that God's testimony is next through signs, through miracles, through a variety of healings, and also by the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, we have to understand that God indeed has spoken to us by a son. That at a specific moment in history, the very creator of the world took on human flesh and manifested himself in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And in doing so, he was allowed to minister to us at our level. We can no longer discredit and say that God can no, not possibly know what we are going through. Jesus never sinned. But nevertheless, he was permitted to suffer the consequence of sin as he lived his life among us. This is what the Hebrew text is telling us on this day. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every way so that he would be a faithful and merciful high priest in service to God. For he suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who suffer as they are tempted. God came to where we are to help us out of the predicament that we are in. I can remember as a young dad when my children would be sick. It would grieve me and hurt me so. I would be the one, not Katie, at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning to go in and pick up that child in my arms and sit in the rocking chair and just gently tap them on the back and whisper in their ear, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. And I can remember thinking to myself, oh, if I could just take this illness upon myself. If I could just relieve this child from this hurt and this suffering and make it better for them. I thought at that time foolishly that I had the strength to be able to deal with any affliction that they were going through. I remember also an incident with my dad. This is back in 1988 when I was called because my dad had a lot of heart problems and he was rushed to the hospital and I was actually relieved when I found out that it was his gallbladder and not his heart and I prayed a prayer and I said to God just like with the kids Lord God my dad's been through enough if there's some way that you can transfer 
that gallbladder to me, I would take it. If you look in my Bible and you go into the Gospel of John, it is actually handwritten in there. Be careful what you ask for. Because that's what I realized. That even though I thought I was strong enough to take on the sickness and illness of my children or even my dad or others, I would have suffered the same way as they did because I don't have the strength. But this is exactly what the Holy Spirit is telling us that Jesus did. Jesus seen our suffering as a consequence of our sin. And he took that suffering upon himself. The difference is, is that he has the strength and the power to overcome it. So we can recognize through our own situation on how we would like to relieve somebody's pain and suffering and now know that Jesus can. So that when we are suffering in our temptation, we know that Jesus took that suffering upon himself and knows what our experience is. And for this reason, he was made to be our great high priest. You know, you and I live in a country that is a wonderful country. And we have people that you elect to represent you. But I tell you the truth, there is no one, there is no being that will represent you like your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is your great high priest. And when you are in difficulties and in need of that relationship, it is Jesus who is your representative in the heavenly realms. And he pleads your case for you. This day is all about relationships. The relationship that God had with Adam and wanted to pass on. Because it was the standard. But we see how we as a people can mix those things up and we can apply them in the wrong way. The same way the Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus by a question. But the Holy Spirit is our companion to remind us that indeed we have this great high priest who stands in the presence of Almighty God and represents you. And we will be represented in his body and blood as we receive the forgiveness that he promised us, the salvation that we should not drift away from. My vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that Thou art. Be Thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, Thy presence, my life.